0: You are locked on Redskins. Your daily Washington Redskins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, your team, every day, every, day, every, day, every day. We welcome you aboard to episode number 289 of the Locked On Redskins podcast. I'm your host, Chris Russell. We are back. And, yes, the voice is not much better than it was in episode number 288. I apologize for that. I'm trying to do the best I possibly can. Uh, and, um, you know, just try and grind through it. Allergies, I'm not sure if it's bronchitis or whatever it is. Um, the bottom line is, is uh obviously something. So hopefully you guys can understand uh, that I'm trying to do the best I can. As always, make sure you follow the podcast at Locked Redskins, at Locked Redskins. And as well, you can follow all of our podcast local hosts and experts all across the na- uh, National Football League at locked on NFL net, at locked on NFL net on both Twitter and Instagram uh, for all your NFL team news and information. Also, you can email me, russellmania 9 at gmail.com, russellmania 9 At gmail.com, suggestions, criticisms, complaints, letters you want read on the air. As well, one other thing, you can listen to me on 106.7 The Fan in the Washington, D.C. area. uh, And, of course, Southern Maryland, Northern Virginia. In addition to that, you can listen to me anywhere on the radio.com app. Just go to 106.7 The Fan on the radio.com app from any phone, any web browser, anywhere. 24-7. Also, read me in Warpath Magazine, subscription-based newspaper magazine dedicated solely to the Washington Redskins, published by my pal Rick Snyder and American Sports Media. All right, so away we go uh, right here on episode number 289. So the Redskins had Friday and Saturday off, players did anyway, uh, from Practice and they'll reconvene on Sunday, depending on when you are listening. Maybe that has already happened. So we're going to rewind on a couple of things we didn't get to uh, after Thursday night's game. And certainly the officiating has been the hottest story, if you will, uh, and the one with the most confusion. Um, and let's start with this. You know, early on in that game, on Thursday, On the first drive, the Bengals take an offensive holding penalty, and Monte Nicholson, before his pick six interception, knocks Kenny Mixon, who had stiffed armed Josh Norman in space and knocked him down to the ground. Monte Nicholson trying to tackle him and get him out of bounds, kind of like almost like a bull. Charges at him by, like, kind of cocking his head upwards and towards Kenny Mixon. And he got called for a penalty, as he should have, on that particular play. And when I brought this up on Twitter, people were like, A, it's no big deal because it didn't count. And, B, it was kind of not important. Um, Ultimately, it didn't count in the game and it doesn't count in the preseason. And my argument is, it does count. Like, it's the first thing that Jay Gruden said at the podium on Thursday night. We've got to clean up the penalties. You are, the reason why you practice is because you generally, you know, if you don't practice what you preach, you play how you practice. And practice is not only practice in Richmond and in shorts, but it's also practice games. And my argument is, sure, it didn't count. And ultimately, the play didn't even count. Again, it was a double penalty, offsetting penalties. That's a good thing that the Redskins got away with that because even though one was a 10-yard holding penalty and the Redskins, which was lowering the helmet, the head to initiate contact, that's a 15-yard personal foul. They still consider them offsetting, which I still will never understand and never get. Um but that's what the league does the bottom line is, is it matters just like all the pre- all the special teams blunders matter they all matter and speaking of special teams blunders you know we talked about the punt return for a touchdown we talked about the missed extra point uh, which was really bad dustin hopkins just slicing it left we talked about the long knockdown 50 yard field goal with bad trajectory and everything On the first play of the game, the Redskins, now we don't know if they were intentionally kicking it short to see what they have on coverage, but they only kicked it to the Cincinnati 10-yard line, which is way shorter than Dustin Hopkins normally kicks it. So perhaps they were trying to see what coverage they have. But if they were, here's what coverage they have. None. They allowed a 34-yard return with a couple of missed tackles. So the bottom line is, is, I don't know how anybody cannot be concerned when we see all of the different issues. And it's the same thing for the penalties. Because after that Monte Nicholson penalty which again was offset by a holding penalty the Redskins had, the Bengals actually had a holding penalty, then the Redskins had an unnecessary roughness penalty on Jonathan Allen, and by the way, we should point out Deron Payne just chucked aside his guy and just disposed of him and just made a great play, so that cannot be lost. But either Jonathan Allen did not hear the whistle or Jonathan Allen was just trying to flex his muscles, I'm not sure. And the Redskins were as well because clearly after the whistle, they gang-tackled the running back, and they threw him down to the ground. And Jay Gruden, again, admitted that. Jay Gruden admitted that on Thursday night when he came to the podium. And I don't know why. I don't know why fans and media continue to just think that every call is against them, every call is against the Redskins because that's not true. That's not true. Um, he said, "Quote: Yeah, those penalties, meaning about the penalties on Josh Norman and Jonathan Allen." and the first-team defense, quote, yeah, I think they did good, man. I like the way they rebounded from the penalties. Josh Norman tried to catch the ball, and he got illegal contact. Jonathan Allen, the whistle blew, and he, you know, probably needed to use better judgment there. So basically, Gruden saying, look, Allen, that penalty I agree with. Norman penalty, it sounds like he doesn't agree with. I don't know how... He doesn't agree with it because it's clear helmet-to-helmet. And even though Josh Norman is trying to break up a play and trying to go to catch a bobbled ball or non-catch, you can't ram a guy helmet-to-helmet. You just can't. You can't do it. And they're going to call it every time. So I'm not sure... What Jay Gruden was looking at, what anybody was looking at on that particular play. Again, live, I thought it was a good call. Like, I'm sorry, but that's just the way I see it. Doesn't mean I'm right, but I'd like to think that I'm not being reactionary. As a matter of fact, I know I'm not being reactionary because I waited some extra time to see it after initially watching it live Thursday night. The officiating on Thursday night was not good There were too many penalties called. But remember, it is preseason for officials, too, number one. Number two, they're probably told to call a game tighter in the preseason than they are in the regular season. That doesn't mean bad calls or botched calls don't happen in the regular season. Of course they do. But they're probably told anything. Err on the side of caution. Throw the flag. Do it. There was the pass interference... Uh, Call that became the big controversy uh, nationally. And, you know, Pro Football Talk did a big write-up about this because there was so much media coverage uh, about it. And as we pointed out on Thursday night into Friday morning, again on episode number 288, the NFL didn't bother to explain what they saw on a pass interference. And so what they said was, They admitted the ruling on the field stood because the offensive pass interference happened earlier in the route. Before the ball arrived, and of course before cameras were on the receiver and the defender. The NFL said, quote, the on-field officials called OPI for a push-off by Washington number 13 at the 50-yard line, well before he jumped to catch the ball, meaning Kelvin Harmon. There was no clear and obvious visual evidence from the available broadcast video that the ruling was incorrect. So the on-field ruling stands. Well, a couple of things here. Number one, they did not explain initially in the post-game to a pool reporter for The Athletic why they called the offensive pass interference. As a matter of fact, they dismissed it. And they said, well, we're not going to really talk about that. Um, We're not going to, you know, deal with that. Or the pool reporter, quote, can you walk me through what exactly was the reason for the offensive pass interference call on Kelvin Harmon? What constituted the pass interference there? Answer, well, we're not going to talk about what constituted it. Because what happens here is the ruling on the field was offensive pass interference. And remember in replay we start with the premise that the call on the field is correct. We know all that. Unless we have clear and visual obvious visual evidence to overturn the ruling on the field, we will not do that. We know this. In this situation there was not clear and obvious visual evidence to overturn it. So we let the ruling on the field stand. The problem is is that like everybody's asking about what Kelvin Harmon did wrong on the jump pole. But their first answer, their first answer on Thursday night, and this is Al Riveron. This is Al Riveron, the NFL director of officiating, okay, is saying we're not going to talk about what constituted it. But then they're happy on Friday afternoon after initially again declining to explain. Then with some time, they said the offense, the on-field officials called OPI for a push off by what at the 50 yard line, well before he jumped again. So on Thursday night, they didn't have the answer. They weren't going to talk, but by Friday afternoon, they were more than willing to explain. Just doesn't make any sense to me. Just does not make any sense at all. Sorry. And that I think is the most frustrating part of this. All right. Um, that's a lot of time spent on officiating calls in a preseason game, but trust me, this is just the tip of the iceberg. This is where we're heading. It is going to be a nonstop drama all year long. Because remember, not only can pass interference calls that are made be be reviewed, but non-called pass interference plays can also be reviewed. Meaning, if a coach thinks that a player interfered with another player and the officials missed it, they can challenge that. It's not just challenging what is called. So that's going to be another problem. All right, so this is the Locked on Redskins podcast. Again, pardon the voice. We went a little bit long here, just kind of dealing with some of these officiating controversies. Again, I didn't have any problem with the Jonathan Allen one. I didn't have a problem with the Josh Norman one. Um, Again, the Calvin Harmon one, I mean, you can see it from a distance when the NFL isolated it didn't have a problem with it, but I have a bigger problem with the fact that they weren't willing to explain it on Thursday when they were directly asked, but on Friday they were more than willing to explain it. doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. All right, we'll take a timeout. We'll come back, and we'll have a couple of quick segments to wrap things up here on the Locked on Redskins podcast. Again, pardon the voice. Uh, it is Chris Russell with you. Uh, and don't forget, Locked on Fantasy Football is the place you want to go. Fantasy football players, make sure you listen to Vinnie Iyer. And the Locked on Fantasy Football podcast, Vinny gives you the edge over 20 years covering fantasy football. Don't listen to the same stuff as everyone else, and you won't be the same. Get the edge from Vinny that will put you ahead on draft day and put you ahead all season long. Locked on Fantasy Football on your favorite podcast provider. Back in a flash. All right, everybody, we welcome you back. It is episode number 289 of the Locked on Redskins podcast. I am your host, Chris Russell. And we wrap up the show like this. Uh, Chris Cooley on his podcast, uh, this according to my pal uh, JR at J underscore row 14, who's always a great help and always listening to stuff that I don't have time to listen to uh, and peruse. Uh, He sent me this and he transcribed it uh, for me. Uh, First, he said about Trent Williams that Cooley said, quote, you can't say that. I don't believe in our medical staff and move forward from there. I mean, I would point out that Trent Williams has not said that clearly he's had somebody else saying that Um, we don't know for sure. If he's told the Redskins, I don't believe in our medical staff or something similar. I assume he has, Assume he has Um, the other thing that he sent, Um, again, at J underscore row 14, uh, who's my guy, I appreciate it, Um, about J, Case Keenum, and Dwayne uh, Haskins. He said, quote, developing Dwayne Haskins, and this is from Cooley's podcast, developing Haskins right now and making sure that Dwayne knows that you believe in him with every bit of you is going to do Jay Gruden some favors in the future. You want Dwayne to say, quote-unquote, Jay Gruden is my guy. We are together. This is how we want to grow. This is how I want to develop. I can't believe what he's done for me as a player. And to get that to happen, you don't sit him on the bench for six weeks and say, you're just not ready. You scheme and you create and make things happen for Dwayne. He said, this is a year, Cooley, this is a year where they're making a decision on their coaching staff moving forward. So... What is Dwayne to them and what are they to Dwayne? Well, certainly some interesting comments from Chris Cooley. And, you know, I have all the respect in the world for Chris. Um, you know, here's how I would counter there, there's really nobody that I know of that I've spoken to that I believe that thinks Dwayne Haskins is right and ready. So the question becomes is you can design and scheme certain things. You can implement certain things, uh, and, you know, I assume Cooley's talking about all shotgun, all pistol, you know, quick drop step, quick one read, you know, that type of thing. A lot of jet sweeps, a lot of jet motion. That's what I assume Cooley's talking about, but I don't know. Certainly, can Jay do a lot of things and Kevin O'Connell to make the transition easier? Absolutely. But at what cost? And that's what he has to look at, is you have Case Keenum, who, again, knows how to play the quarterback position in the NFL, but is nowhere near as talented as Dwayne Haskins. But he's also new to this scheme and this system. Are you better off with Case Keenum than you are, you know, throwing the rookie to the Wolves week one? and? I still go back to, yes, yes, you are. That doesn't mean if you go with Case Keenum week one, you can't change week two, week three, week four, week five. Again, you can do that. Do you want to do that? No. And I guess that's still the same argument for Colt McCoy, even though he can't get healthy and he can't stay healthy, is ideally you go in because he's your better quarterback or your your most knowledgeable of the system. And if you have to change, you change. But I do think it's a little bit of a different situation if we're talking about Case versus Dwayne or going with Colt McCoy because he just knows the system better. I do think that's a little bit of a different situation. All right. Um, we'll have more on that coming up. I want to take a listen to that and see what Cooley, what else Cooley had to say. Um because it's always interesting getting perspective from him, somebody who played the game uh, at an elite level and has been tied into the Redskins organization. Uh, clearly, he's making the move towards Dwayne Haskins, starting right away week one against the Philadelphia Eagles. Again, I understand why you would want to do that and why you want to get the clock started. I just I don't think that's the right thing to do. System or no system. Adjustments or no adjustments. All right, back in a flash right here on the Locked on Redskins podcast. All right, guys, we welcome you back. It is episode number 289 of the Locked on Redskins podcast. Once again, a reminder, the new Locked on NFL is on fire. Last week, it was one of the most listened to NFL shows with the expert analysis of former NFL scout Matt Williamson hosted by Brian Peacock. Locked on NFL is your daily national podcast on all things NFL with Matt's unique take on the game. Follow Locked on NFL now. On your favorite podcast provider. All right, so a closing note congratulations to two players that I covered, one extensively, one for a brief time Chris Samuels and London Fletcher. They are going to become the 50th and 51st members of the team's ring of fame. That's the Redskins' ring of fame at FedEx Field. Uh, Dan Snyder made the announcement via. Uh, redskins.com quote London Fletcher and Chris Samuels are two of the greatest Redskins during my tenure as owner of this franchise their consistent level of play leadership in the locker room and dedication to excellence during their time as Redskins were everything you could ask for them as a uh, for, for for from a player i am honored to make two tremendous additions to our storied ring of fame of course London Fletcher played 16 seasons in the NFL 240 starts, 256 regular games, over 2,000 career tackles, just shy of 1,400 solo, 39 sacks, 23 interceptions, 2 return for touchdowns, 96 passes defense, 24 fumbles, and 20 and 12 fumble recoveries. Started off with the St. Louis Rams, went to the Buffalo Bills, and then to the Redskins from 2007 through 2014. Uh, 13. Chris Samuels, uh, I only covered him for one year, the number three overall pick in the 20, uh 2000 NFL Draft, 10 seasons uh, in Washington. I did see his final game uh, in Charlotte. Started at left tackle in all 141 regular season games in which he appeared and started three postseason contests. So congratulations to them. The games in which they will be Uh, inducted and honored uh, is still to be determined, Um, you know, again, got to work out travel logistics, got to work out, make sure everybody can be there. And also it's not something you probably want to do against the Dallas Cowboys or against the Chicago Bears necessarily for a team that's struggling to sell tickets and get interest. Uh, We know that the schedule, uh, of course, you know, has, a front-loaded portion of it, um, which will allow for some marquee opponents and, therefore, hopefully for some good crowds. Uh, But the final weeks of the season, you have the Jets coming in here week 11 on November 17th. You have the Detroit Lions right around Thanksgiving on Sunday, November uh, 24th. And then you have, of course, the Eagles and the Giants, so you could choose to do one of those two games. Uh, Of course, you could also do week seven against the San Francisco 49ers in mid-October. All right, that's going to do it for us right here on the Locked on Redskins podcast, episode number 289. Thanks for being with us. Thanks for dealing with my voice. Uh, Sorry about the long rambling uh, take on the officiating. Again, I didn't have as big of a problem with some of the calls as others did, uh, but The NFL has a lot to clean up, Uh, so we'll end it there. We'll put everything up at Locked Redskins. Have yourselves a great rest of the weekend. Adios.